Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are sharing eight lessons we've learned as pro musicians in no particular order. Yes, indeed. We're also doing something a little bit different today. Um, recording remotely, which is the first time we've done this um, just out of necessity for time constraints and scheduling stuff, but we wanted to make sure we got an episode out on time um, or as close to as we can. So um, anyway, apologies in advance for any (laughs) weird delays. We're going to try to clean it all up in our editing process, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll get it. I mean, I think it's fine. Yeah, it's Um, totally fine. It's exciting to try something new. Yeah, I mean, Dustin started a new job. I am in the middle of a move. So this is some crazy stuff. So we yeah. just wanted to uh, to still get this episode out on time. So that's why it's a little weird today. But anyway, without uh, further delay, let's get into it. So we kind of just yes. compiled eight main things that we've learned over the years just as musicians. And a lot of them we've kind of briefly talked about in last episodes, but we thought that this would be a really good um, way to kind of, you know, culminate them together. So I guess my first point that I wanted to kind of bring into the conversation is to treat it like a job, you know, like for sure. Yeah. It's really easy um, to kind of get into the, music party blah 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 lifestyle but um i mean it's kind of necessary that's why so many musicians crash and burn yeah because you know they don't um they don't treat it like a job um and we both really have experience in this but you start dustin on what kind of comes to mind for this particular point of treating it like a profession um whole bunch of things, but, um, I guess like one of the first things that comes to mind is that just like with any other job, you know, nine to five or whatever you may work, um, there's certain like expectations that, uh, that you have to meet, right. Whether it's the one set by your manager or by the company policies or by, you know, if you're in anything that has to do with like customer interaction, um, making sure that, you know, you're following protocols and that you're, um, you know, you're treating people with respect and you're treating your position with respect. And the weird thing about the music industry is that there aren't really a lot of like written protocols, you know, like, right. Um, maybe, maybe if you work for a company like a, a label, or if you work for a management company, like you guys may have some of those, like for that particular job. Right. But overall, you know, the overarching theme definitely like it's just kind of more stuff that should be understood. So, I mean, it, you know, it's it it's little stuff like showing up on time to rehearsals or gigs, sound checks, 
studio sessions, writing sessions, um, you know, photo shoots, whatever, like just showing up on time, um, showing up prepared, right? So like just knowing the music or, or um, knowing what, what the task is for the day or the tasks are, because sometimes, you know, it can be a lot of different things. Um, and uh, I, I would say, you know, from the other side of it, like if you're hiring somebody, um, you know, paying them on time, speaking of, of the timing thing, like, you know, I've, I, I know I've been in like many situations and thankfully not any in the most recent years. Cause I feel like I've gotten to a point where like everybody I'm working with is very professional and, and very like on it. Um, you know, but in the past I, I've sometimes waited like two to three weeks, even four weeks to receive payment for a gig or something. And, you know, it's just like, if you were working, you know, you're, you're nine to five and let's say you're on like the kind of standard, like every two week, uh, paycheck kind of timeline, um, you expect to be paid on time. And when that paycheck doesn't drop in your, uh, you know, direct deposit on Friday, like you're going to start being like, all right, what's going on? Like, Hey boss, you know? Um, so that's really huge for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, like just like in, um, any normal job, there's certain rules about like fraternization and, and, um, like, or non-fraternization policies, I guess. And, and I think, you know, obviously with, with like being in a band or something like that's obviously very different. Like if you're in a band, you're in a relationship with multiple people essentially. And it's a friendship a lot of the time, you know, and it's not always, sometimes it's very just like professional, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're, in that kind of situation where you're in a band with your friends, like obviously th- there's some kind of like, I guess, flexibility with this. But I think, you know, generally like you want to be um, careful, like especially if you're being hired on to do something like, you know, a producer or again, like band mate, like a session musician, I guess. Right. Um, you know, there, there needs to be certain professional boundaries. And, and if you don't know the people that well, like you need to make sure you, you adhere to what you would do if you were just, you know, working in, in your standard, like, you know, office job or accounting job or, you know, teaching or something like that. Um, but like I said, I mean, this, this is a interesting one because, um, you know, like there are plenty of examples of artists who like the two main people in the band are dating each other and it works out. Uh, it's just, it can be a pretty dangerous game. So you really have to be careful with that. Right. Um, and I think, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting topic. Uh, I don't know why it jumped to mind, but I, th- I think it's just, I've, I've known bands that have fallen apart as a result of like, you know, members start dating or like, you know, certain boundaries are crossed, um, that, you know, would never have been crossed if this was just like a regular job. Right. Um, you know, like sexual harassment, is like a huge thing just in the music industry in general and like a lot of industries, but in the music industry, it goes largely unchecked because there's not, you know, this like specific, um, hierarchical like system of managers and, you know, that kind of thing, like regional operators. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's there's definitely more that jumped to mind, but I'm I'm gonna pass it over to you because I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, they're basically the same idea. I think that this one is kind of 
actually like a general lesson of a lot of our topics um, mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about today. Um, for me, the the biggest thing that I've kind of learned with this is like, you have to keep up with all facets of the business, right? Like you have to keep mm-hmm. up with your personal taxes. If you're a, no matter what level of business you're on. Yeah. Um, you know, like you have to administrate that. And if you can't outsource it, you know, um, yeah. outsource the work to other people like you would at a normal job. Um, and like, that's going to cost money, but you know, you have to, you have to do certain things, um, just like a business that you're working for would. Yeah. Um, I guess like my main thing, like you're in business for yourself, but you're still in business. So yeah, it's kind of sure. a, it's a hard, um, thing to balance a lot um and then on your topics yeah i definitely agree like you know i've also known several like interpersonal relationships and music groups not go well and i mean honestly it's probably just because people are people like it would matter if they were like a banker or a musician (laughs) you know like it's it's gonna kind of like end up being the same but um yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, I guess my main point is just like it kind of goes into our next point, which is staying organized, right? Like mm, you need yeah. to, um, you know, you need to have your shit together enough to um, <laughs> yeah. organize yourself like you would in a job, you know, and that's really hard, I think, for musicians because it's very untraditional and that you work nights and, you know, you can not do that, send that email today, or you can put off your taxes until April of next year, but it's a lot smarter to just do a little along the way. Uh, yeah, right. And and I kind of, and I can say that's a lesson that I've definitely learned because I often like will just get a huge pile of receipts before I actually put them in to my software for tax season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like if I was at any other job, they wouldn't let me go three months without doing that. They would probably not even let me go two weeks, you know? So you have to kind of like, um, think about stuff like that too, which, which helps going back to, um, one of our last episodes, we were talking about, um, skills that you need. And we were talking about being a, like a self-starter, you know, motivated enough to actually get stuff done. And I think this is kind of that um, that topic as well. Like you have to find the motivation to treat it like a job. Yeah. You know? Yeah, agreed. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that most people can probably get that one. But it is a hard lesson to learn. Um, you know, especially like I can't tell you, too, how many studio sessions I've personally been a part of. And live shows, which I have definitely been a part of, where, like, you know, you treated it like a party or like a, you know, whatever. Like, I can say for the studio sessions, like, you know, 30 minutes into the session, that's an eight-hour day, we're already, like, taking shots. You know? It's probably, (laughs) like, by hour eight, we're going to sound like shit. And it's just, you know, like, if you were at any other job, they really wouldn't be doing that. So... You have to think about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for sure. Cause that can cause, you know, all kinds of it's just unproductive. 
And like, yeah, if sure. you want to be a productive musician, you have to stay organized. You have to be professional. You have to treat it, you know, like, like it's any other job. It's just a fun job, but not all yeah. parts of it are fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and like any, that's same with, like you said, any other job, right? There, there may be aspects you enjoy and there's going to be aspects you don't. Um, and on the, on that topic of, of organization, since we brought it up, which is, you know, our, our second one here in the list of eight, um, there's a lot that comes to mind for me with organization. Um, if I may, I'll, I'll just list off a few. Yeah, that, definitely. That jump. Um, so, I mean, you already kind of mentioned one, which is like keeping track of like tax stuff. Um, and it, it, I mean, it sucks. <laughs> like it really does. And, and it always does. Yeah. But especially when you're a freelancer or self-employed, um, even partially, like it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like your full time portion of your income, but it's still really important to keep track of that stuff. Um, I will say like in my experience, um, I, and, and this is with the caveat that like freelance income is probably like maybe 50% of my income and the other is, is like the work that I do, you know, teaching or now doing like the yeah, MD role. W2 um, income. W2, right. W2 income. So, um, you know, a lot of my tax stuff is usually taken care of through that, but um, I still report, um, you know, everything that I make um, as a freelancer and, and um, I, every time I like have an expense, you know, if I'm buying like equipment, you know, I do put um, that into like a spreadsheet. Um, but you know, for like most of these places, especially nowadays, like receipts, a lot of receipts are digital, um, you know, or they're like stored in the database of the, the place that you're buying from. Right. Um, so you can, you know, if, if it ever comes to like, okay, now you need to like prove with receipts, like you can usually backtrack this stuff. Um, a pain in the ass, uh, I'm sure it would be, but, um, it is possible to do that. And, you know, nowadays like you just like i said you don't see as much paper receipts and i know for me personally like keeping track of paper receipts is just like my bane of existence so like i don't usually do that <laughs> i just stick to the digital versions but right. um anyway this stuff is important because like you know even on the positive side like you can get a better tax return if you're keeping track of the money you're spending on travel for gigs and you know uh, equipment replacement and maintenance and fees that you may pay for subscriptions. Like if you're a freelance musician um, and, you know, teacher, for example, like you can write off some of the cost of your um, like Spotify account because you're using that directly for work to uh, teach, you know, and, and um, to practice and to learn. So there's a lot of ways that this kind of stuff can actually benefit you. So it's definitely important to keep track of that. Um, it's also hugely important, probably the number one most important thing is to keep track of your schedule. Um, I cannot tell you like how much of a difference it made for me when I started like actively keeping my calendar. Um, and it's honestly, it was a lesson I learned kind of like before I started really freelancing a lot and gigging all the time. Right. Like I was probably, you know, I was definitely gigging all through my my 20s but it was probably like mid 20s when i really started picking that kind of work up but um around like maybe 23 24 and i started doing acoustic gigs with the the sagas duo um and that was like my more consistent freelance work for the first time um 
and I had to schedule it, you know, because like before that, I never really kept a calendar because it's like I had maybe one gig every couple of months. So it's like, I, I won't forget that. Sure. Um, you know, but uh, I had, I ran into like maybe one time uh, where I double booked myself and it was like, I was able to figure it out ultimately, but it was definitely a stressful situation. And, um, you know, like the more you add onto your calendar and the, and the busier you get, uh, you know, hopefully if, if that's something you're looking for as a musician, like it just becomes a true necessity. And I do know plenty of people that are, you know, in, in the scene that don't keep that kind of uh, track of their schedule and end up in situations like that all the time where they're double booked or, you know, they forget a rehearsal. Like it blows my mind, honestly, like how many times I've heard like, yeah, he just like he forgot about rehearsal and didn't show up. And then we texted him. He's like, Oh, sorry. Like I'm out with my girlfriend. It's like, what? Right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's important to spend time with your, your significant other or your <laughs> friends and family. And, and, but like, dude, like, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy. So keep track, you know, use your calendar. And honestly, this applies to really everybody. Like it doesn't have to just be musicians. Like I think for most people, once you like get into adulthood, like it really becomes super important to keep track of your schedule. If you want to have a successful social life and, you know, an off time and I don't know, it's a big thing for me. And then, um, a couple other quick ones uh, is just like organization of your equipment, um, knowing like where everything is, keeping it like cables neatly wrapped and taken care of. Like so many people that I know will show up to a gig and they have this just bag of a rat's nest of cables that's poorly wrapped and you yeah. know, half of them don't work and they never remember which ones don't work. So they end up throwing them back in the bag and then they have to deal with it every time. And it's just, you know, like, it makes a big difference to the success of of a show or a session when you show up knowing I know this stuff is going to work and I have a plan for if it doesn't, you know, it's just right. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, like I'm not as organized as you are by a long shot, <laughs> at least not, <laughs> not right now. My stuff's everywhere. But um, I've definitely never been the kind of person like I've always just. I guess it's kind of like an OCD, maybe, but I don't think so. But I've always like overly taken care of nice things. Like if I have something that I like really like and care about, I'm like overly take care of it. But I'm not to yeah. the point where it's like, um, you, like a guitar or something. Like I'm going to use it and I'm going to play yeah. it. But, um, sure. you know, I definitely um, can be kind of like when people like, come in your space and like mess with your stuff. I'm like, what'd you do with that? You know, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's where I'm oh. at um, with that. But Oh man. Yeah, yeah. That shit. Like, like it's, I'm, I'm like you said, I'm, I'm pretty uh, far up the ladder as far as like, OC, uh, I'm not gonna say OCD. No, I'm not OCD because I'm not diagnosed with it. And there right. are people out there that are, and it is a real thing. So I'm not right. OCD, but you know, I do have, um, compulsions i guess in in my own way where you know even if somebody puts the guitar back on my guitar boat like a little off center it's like i can't leave it has to be fixed a yeah you do way, do that because you know? i've i've put them back and wrong yep. <laughs> everybody like nobody does it the way i do it which of course is because i do it the way i do it and they do it the way they do it but right. it's still just uh one of those things and um but yeah I, cables is usually the worst one i see with people is is just like never 
keeping track of that stuff and um and that's pretty wild but yeah so equipment I mean, organization a, yeah a bad cable will definitely ruin a session for sure yeah yeah because you have to like it track it down and yep it's just like annoying it's um, yeah it's so bad i mean another thing that i would add to like staying organized is like something we talked about in a f- last episode was like keeping your files in your computer organized yeah um, because that's a really easy way to like lose i mean it can be catastrophic depending on whether you can find it or not yeah but you know i've i've moved like pro tool sessions from folder to folder and then when you go to open it it's like cannot find because it's looking for it where it you know originally was yeah and then you have to like ah scramble and try to find what you're looking for Um, yeah i hate that yeah, it's just kind of a pain, but it can also be like if a, because I, I've done production for a couple of people now and like I have their masters. Right. So like, you know, that's really when the file storage becomes like critically important. Yeah. Um, you have like backups for your backups. <laughs> always, always have backups for your backups, y'all. Right. Seriously. Again, this doesn't even have to be for music. I mean, this like, it could go back to the tax stuff or it could go back to your monthly budgets like yeah i need backups i need to get better with my tax stuff personally because like i have it in one of those like plastic file things like Mm -hmm. the bin that you carry around so like if my house catches on fire i'm screwed (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) i need to put it in like an actual file cabinet and not like a piece of plastic i i do have a fire safe box that i kind of like put stuff in over time so there's some stuff in here that's probably you know needs to make it in that box soon but yeah i yeah. i definitely but these are like things that maybe people haven't thought about so like i'm glad we're talking about them um yeah it's critical know, i mean it really I, is yeah and i would honestly say too like if you can afford an accountant definitely recommend hiring one just because you know the irs um creates new policies like every so often and so even mm-hmm. if you like really research and do your best it's easy to get behind so i do recommend yeah. and that's really something you don't want to play with um because they don't really relent they're not <laughs> you yeah. know like once you're in trouble you're kind of in trouble in trouble um so yeah obviously staying organized with taxes equipment um i would even say like for your personal financing like trying to budget um, cause that's kind of like a situation I've found myself in moving. Um, so like I've got some studio monitors that I need to sell. One of them doesn't work. So I'm going to just sell as is it, it needs a new tweeter and like all this. Uh, so I need new things mm-hmm. all the time, but, um, you know, I don't really have the budget to get them. So my studio doesn't have monitors right now. So that's not a great position to be in. You know what I mean? So like even personal budgeting, that can be really, really critical. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Pretty much covers it. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Organization is important. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I'll say too, like, what we were talking about earlier with relationships like um there's kind of two main points i want to make on this Mm -hmm. is like 
always listen. That lesson is critical in so many ways, not only like musically always listening around you, but being able to listen to feedback or criticism or, you know, um, just being able to kind of, um, you know, listen to what people have to say and also listen to what people have to play. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, and, and this is topic three, by the way, right? We're uh, yes, touching sorry. On, on our third one just to keep track here. So, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree though. Listening is huge. I mean, um, if, if you're in the playing environment, um, obviously it's super important because a, it's like, you know, if you're playing something that's in a key, like you want to make sure that you're staying in key or staying in rhythm. Right. Um, but also that your dynamic is matching the band, your tone is matching the band. Uh, if you're in like an improv situation that you're responding to the people around you. Right. Um, you know, it's okay to take the lead on, uh, on a phrase sometimes, but like, you know, it's like any conversation, you know, you, everyone needs to get their turn and, and get a chance to say what's on their mind. And it's important that you listen because, you know, you may miss something crucial or you may play over somebody, so to speak, um, figuratively and, and metaphorically, you know? Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I will also say like one kind of sub lesson that took me a long time to learn was like, when you're trying to communicate with engineers, um, like understanding kind of the fundamentals of like a mix was hugely helpful for me. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was doing my first ever like studio album, you know, and I was talking to the engineer, um, you know, about uh, what I wanted to be different, everything was just volumes. It was like, I want the guitar solo to be louder. I want the drums to be loud. Like everything was just louder. <laughs> and like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand like, oh, like other things also impact mix like panning and EQ. Um, yeah. so like learning kind of like lessons like that, learning how to listen, um, is, is so helpful. Um, cause now I can take that into a live setting and, you know, we've talked about in other episodes how, you know, just understanding where you fit can change the way you sound completely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And then I guess for me, like the feedback and criticism, that's something I used to really struggle with a lot. Um, and maybe it was because I played music with my family. And so I didn't want to mm. like be criticized by like my big brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but um i've met a lot of people recently um that have oh, here's a great example so like this happened one or two weeks ago right i was at guitar center and i really wanted to try out an amp mm -hmm. um that i've kind of been looking at for a little while because mm -hmm. i definitely am in the market for a new amp whenever i get this budget thing under control <laughs> um and, uh, so like, as soon as I sat down, it was, this kid was probably like 16. He like came over and he plugged in right beside me and he wanted to like start jamming with me, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Cause like, whatever, yeah. I have fun with that. So, yeah. um, you know, but he was like, 
10 times louder than me, which didn't, I'm trying to set the stage here. Like none of these uh-huh. things bothered me, but like <laughs> just, it's just kind of a moment, right? It's just a moment. So, um, you know, we were playing together. He was like a Stevie Ray Vaughan kid. So like he, tr- he played like every Stevie Ray Vaughan song that he knew. Um, but you know, he was like, I, he may have been like 14 or 15, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But yeah. like, he was like, beginner intermediate you know like you could tell he's probably played for like a year and a half mm-hmm. and so when i was done because i really didn't get to try out the amp but mm-hmm. when i was done i was getting up and he was like so like do you think i have a shot at like making it as a guitarist and i was like oh yeah like keep it up and he was like like do you think i'm like a professional guitarist now he's like do you think that like I'm better than Joe Bonamassa. And I was like, did he really ask that? Yeah. And I, I was, I was honest with him. I was like, no, like, no, you're not (laughs) like, I'm sorry. But like, I didn't want to like tell him a lie, you know, for sure. And I could tell it just like kind of crushed his spirit. And I'm sure that he was like very upset about it, but like, you know, I don't even know if that's criticism, but it's just kind of, you know, it's just it's, like it's, being able to hear tough things is really important. That's in a good lesson to learn because it can save you so much time. Like how much time have you spent being like, or I, I definitely can say I have like, oh, I'm going to get this done, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm going to do it by myself. And then you learn like mm-hmm. if you had just asked somebody else or like taken the criticism initially, it would have been done 10 times better and faster. Yeah, I, I know I've been in those moments for sure. For yeah. Sure. yeah, I'm like, oh, I can learn how to use Photoshop. And then like yeah. 10 hours later, you're like, ah, you know, trying to figure yeah. out how to use Photoshop. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's been less of a thing for me as the years have gone on. But um, being able to listen to feedback and criticism that was a big lesson for me for sure. Yeah. 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 It's super, it's super, super important. I, I think also like to tie that into, to feedback and criticism a little bit with, with the listening. I think it's also important to listen for like alternative perspectives and ideas of how to do something. Um, you know, like I've learned a lot from, from people over the years about, you know, what I do as a bass player and, and some of them aren't bass players, you know, or, or, you know, and, and they're giving me a perspective from a drummer or a guitar player or a keyboard player or producer or whatever, um, engineer. And, um, and it contradicts sometimes, you know, what I feel like is, is the best thing, um, or the right thing, but, you know, I, I've learned to listen and it took me a while. Like, you know, I, I may have told this before. I know I've told this story to other people. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but like my first studio experience. Um, well, I guess t- technically it wasn't my first, but it was my, I would say it was my first like studio experience working with a engineer or producer who was actually, actually like involved, you know, like, like the first time I ever recorded something like they were, it was just, we hired them to record us and then we just played and then we left, you know, and with a demo. Um, but it was, it was kind of just getting our feet wet, but this, this, time that I'm referring to, um, you know, I was working 
um, it was like an at-home studio. I think he, it was actually a mobile studio that he brought to my mom's house and we just recorded this EP. Oh, wow. That's kind of um, cool. Yeah. It was super dope. I mean, it was, was like, he like out of a food truck or something. No, 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 no. It was, um, like he, it was all just like, you know, like stuff in rack racks that he oh, would then just okay. like bring to the basement. He set up his laptop and just running. I don't even know what he was using to record. Um, yeah, I can't remember what system, what DAW it was. Um, but this was this was early, like pre. I don't know when Logic came out actually, but I, I mean, if if it was out around then, which was probably, I'm guessing we're talking like 2007, maybe. So I don't know yeah, if Logic was out then. I'm I mean, not I think sure. GarageBand was. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, the point of of this is that. Uh, we went in to record and um it was time to record the bass and pretty much within like the first couple of like measures or or maybe maybe the first chorus he stopped the recording and he looked over at me and he's like dude like you're playing way too much right now like you really need to like chill out and not be so busy um and I, it was definitely a hard thing to hear at first cuz like what like oh did like it hurt your feelings like, um I get. I don't know. I guess, but I think it was more of just like a like it was surprising. You know, it was mm -hmm. just like I thought I'm doing. I thought like I knew what I was doing because like at this point, I had only been playing bass for like a couple of years, maybe. Um, right. And I was already like pretty solid. You know, I mean, like like solid maybe isn't the right word. I should say I was I was pretty um, like wide ranging in what I could pull off for somebody who had only been playing for a couple of years. Like, I mean, looking back on it, I'm sure if I heard myself, I'd be like, wow, I was trash. And I probably was trash, but like, I didn't know at the time, you know, but <laughs> sure. like I could play, I could play a lot of fast licks and like stuff that most other kids who were playing the bass, like definitely weren't able to do. Um, and it's just cause like, I think I just dedicated a shit ton of time to it, but I also didn't have a teacher. I didn't have like YouTube was not really much of a resource for that kind of thing back then. So I was just like figuring it out by playing records and then just like playing what I thought sounded cool. So um, I would summarize this as like you were a little badass, but you hadn't honed in on <laughs> true musicianship yet. Uh, sure. Yeah. We, well, I mean, yeah, I guess we could say that like in, right. in, in, I'm, um, I'm saying it. <laughs> okay. In perspective. Right. I mean, like, like, I'm sure, you know, at the age I'm at now and the experience I'm at now, I would look back and be like, that's kid's not a badass. Like, yeah, he can do some cool things, but he needs work. But I get what <laughs> you're saying with your point. So, um, yes, I was definitely learning and it was a big learning experience. And it kind of like, it was super important though. And I'm really glad it happened because I learned early on uh, how, um, how important it is to like listen to the song to the music and play what's right for that you know especially as as a rhythm section player like right you know being out of the way but being supportive and and you know most of my influences in that time were like all these crazy good players but even they w were like really good at knowing when to shine and when to to hold it down and holding it down part was not something i had really like learned yet um right so anyway that was a big learning experience and and you know uh, but that was uh, right under that listening category of just like how important it is to do so. Listen to that criticism. I would say, um, too, you kind of moved into, I think, our fourth, which is to adapt. 
because yeah. your playing mm-hmm. wasn't technically wrong, but you had to adapt to the song that you were playing. Yeah, um, totally. And I, sure. I think that that's, that's our next point. This is point four, I think. Um, yeah, adapting is, I mean, like most of it. <laughs> <laughs> of, like being, of being a musician, for yeah, sure, honestly. But, yeah, because, um, you know, like we've said, I guess from my perspective, like, you know, whenever I have played with other artists or even playing, you know, my own songs, um, a lot of times what I write, like, let's just take Hey Dreamer, for example, mm-hmm. like what I, what genre I think it would be super awesome for Hey Dreamer to be is not a lot of times what comes out, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a daily struggle for me. Yeah. Cause like it, it, I kind of am at this pool, this like tug of war of like, I really want you know, to, to have this cool, you know, edgier kind of sound. I don't know. I guess like a muse thing. Cause I think muse are just so cool. But mm-hmm. then like when I sit down and write, that's not usually what comes out. Like maybe a little yeah. bit of like an influence here or there, but not really. Like, yeah. Definitely. Um, and it has changed a lot. Like the way that I write too, which sure. I guess is adaptive in itself, but I almost have to adapt to my own writing because my guitar playing and what I've learned to play on guitar is that's a different side of me than like the songwriting part. And so my playing has adapted to my songwriting. It's almost like I'm split personality or something. Like I've I've had to adapt to myself, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, have you ever had that? We're like, for sure. Oh, really? Okay. I thought I was crazy over here. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I've definitely like, yeah, from that particular perspective of, of adapting, like, you know, and maybe, maybe for me in a lot of ways, uh, it was just how, how I had to do it. Like I've definitely done it kind of in the writing perspective that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think like for me, it's like, I wanted to write and I still write just kind of naturally, like the stuff that I tend to create um, tends to be like pretty like moving and like has a lot of moving parts to it, I guess. And and kind of not always technical, like, but there's definitely those aspects to it. Weird times. I mean, we kind of write a lot of the same things in that way. You and you and I, we, we we just maybe approach it differently. Um, And you're definitely more of a songwriter, I would say, as far as like, you know, usually kind of, combining a lyrical message and um like i don't i do write lyrics but like it takes me time to kind of get to that point i think and and maybe maybe that is the same for you i don't know but um anyway not to tangent uh, the i think for me a big thing with adapting has been um like going from being in bands mm-hmm. and writing parts that were cool were, were right for the song but that were also like you know maybe flashier or like um i don't know uh more styled to like now kind of adapting to the band that i'm playing with right um, because i do so much more of that now you know it's like whether it's freelance or or just like you know i mean i like i play with just a lot of bands in general that are not just freelance projects but are like creative projects that i'm i'm a little more involved with to varying degrees, depending on the group. Um, and in those settings, like, you know, I think I've said this before in past episodes, but, um, 
what I play with Hey Dreamer and how I play and what bass I use and what tones I pick is going to be totally different than what I do with Casual Cadenza, which is going to be totally different from what I do with the Pussy Willows or the Future Babes or you name it, you know? So like um, that adaptability for me has been really important. Um, and, you know, kind of being able to, to fit what the project is going for um, is definitely something I've learned more and more over the years. Um, especially I would say like the latter half of my twenties and now, you know, into my thirties, like that's something that I'm, I'm constantly developing, you know, it's not like I have it all figured out or developed yet. Like it's, it's still a work in progress and, um, you know, I mean, it probably be will better. be for like the rest of your life. Honestly. 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I absolutely. think that, you know, that's crucial if you want to be like a session musician or I mean, just a good musician in general is you have to be able to adapt to the sound and the song. Yeah, like it's a agreed. song first approach, um, which I guess isn't for everybody. But in my experience, that's like the best way to be. For sure. Yeah. The best way to be. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Like think, think about what it needs. Right. And then work backwards, you know, and, and like get to the core of the song and then, you know, the rest will kind of develop. If you're, if you're listening, as we were talking about earlier, I think that um, you know, it makes adapting easier, at least in the musical perspective. What, what are some other ways? Like, cause I know I have some, but I, I want to hear from you, um, for a little bit, like on some other things that come to mind when you think adaptability, uh, in, you know, as a musician Oh man! outside of just playing. Okay. I mean, you kind of have to adapt to like the groups that you hang out with. Like mm. my personality when I'm with Friends is totally different than when I'm just like a session or like a for hire kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm like a totally different person. Uh, well, really? I don't want to say that, but like I don't really like I'm not as much of a goofball when I'm hired for a session. You know, it's a yeah, lot more yeah. like straightforward work. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't get hired for anything. They'd be like, is she <laughs> special? <laughs> so. I'm like, yes. Um, so, um, I mean, adapting to the people you're around, um, I guess that could be like re reading the room too, you know, like mm. being able to see, because, you know, maybe in some sessions, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's not a big deal to, you know, crack a beer in the session. But if you're in like a gospel choir session, like it's probably going to be looked down upon. Yeah, that's probably not the place for that. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> let me think. How else adapting? I mean, you have to adapt to your situation all the time. Yes. Like, you know, your AC goes out, you know, roll down the windows <laughs> as much as you can, turn it off as much as you can stand. Um, yeah. I mean, the, on tour and like traveling, you have to adapt constantly. Uh, the sound man's late or um, somebody's somebody else is running late or uh, your merch order didn't arrive in time. So you have to get creative at the last minute. Mm -hmm. I think just being able to kind of like think on your toes and don't let like one thing going wrong ruin your entire experience. Be able to kind of like change quickly on the fly. Um, I think yeah. that that's that. I mean, that just kind of makes you a better person, a better musician and a better worker in general. Um, 
And I know we probably have so many stories about having to adapt in in those ways. We could probably do a whole episode on that. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, probably, you know, the next part of our, our show's stories episode. But yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, like adapting on the fly. Uh, definitely, you know, I mean, I, like you said, we have probably a million examples, but one um, like small one for me that um, comes to mind or maybe two small ones. I'll start with one um, is we I was playing South by Southwest back in. Um, Ooh, what year was that actually? Uh, it's probably like sometime between 2015 and 2017. I can't exactly remember when, but um, it's been a minute. And uh, we rented this pretty small like SUV to make the trip out there because we didn't want to pay for like a big ass van. Sure. And it was just um, me and PK. So this was a Saga's thing. Me, PK, our manager... Um, and then two guys that we hired to play in the band, a drummer and a guitar player. So there was five of us and it was, I, I guess it must've been one of those SUVs that had like enough, like, a, like another row in the back. Cause I don't think we sat three deep in like, you know, the back of a right. small like SUV. Um, but we did not have enough room for like much gear. Thankfully, a lot of that stuff is backlined, um, you know, like the bass amps and, um, the drums, and stuff uh we're backline guitar amps as well so all we had to bring were like pedals and instruments and overnight bags uh, and i think the drummer you know had to bring like breaker rolls like cymbals and shit but anyway um so i only brought the one bass and this is like i i already kind of had a soft policy of like always have a backup instrument but this is before i really like this is what caused me to say like i will never play a gig without a backup interesting um, <laughs> yeah so um this was i i you i don't think you ever um knew me when i used to play a six string bass more often i don't um, think so yeah i, I don't you said think that so. like so you were had... a worse person when you played a six string <laughs> bass you're like mm. no no um i mean i just you know i i I got it because there's a lot of stuff that i wanted to start getting into like playing more chords on bass and more like i was getting really starting to get into like more interest in like fusion and alternative like playing and and tapping and all that stuff and like right. learning crazy Victor Wooten licks like I'd always been into him but now it's like actually reaching a, a point where I was like technically able to to start doing some of that mm -hmm. so I, the six string provided the extra notes essentially you know on the high C string anyway um back to the story here so uh we get out to South by and then we have our first gig. Um, and I plug in my bass and it doesn't make any sound. Um, amps on cables are fine. Pedal boards fine. And I, I only had a, like two or three pedals at this time. So I wasn't really much of a pedal user. Um, and I, uh, we had a little bit of time before we had to start. So I just uh, like out of curiosity, I was like, okay, I wonder if it's like something with my input jack. So I take off the back plate and sure enough, um, a wire had come loose from the input jack. No. But at this point, yeah. But at this point I was already starting to carry some tools with me and one of which was a soldering iron. So I'm like, oh, I'll just like solder this real quick before we start. I should have plenty of time. And of course I did not. I mean, there was no way I was going to, like it takes five to eight minutes just for the damn thing to heat up to a proper temperature, right. you know? 
and it was a shitty one, so it probably took longer than that. Um, so I was sitting like I had my base just like on a road case, just like propped up, and I was like trying to solder <laughs> this wire back to the input jack. Um, and you know, I couldn't get it fixed, and thankfully, um, our manager found uh, the bass player of the band that was playing right after us and was like, you know, is there any chance our bass player could use your bass? Like his wired, you know, just came undone. And he was very kind and and let me use it. But it was interesting because not only did I have to adapt to playing somebody else's bass, but it was a Thunderbird, which are oh, awkward no. instruments to play. Yeah. Right? Um, there's actually one right here in my house that I'm fixing up for a friend. But um, yeah, I... I I'm not a huge fan. I love the tone, actually, of Thunderbirds. I think they're awesome, but they're really awkward to play. And anyway, so Thunderbird, it had flats on it, um, and it was in, like, an alternate tuning. So I had to, like, I can't remember if I actually tuned it up or if I just left it in his tuning and adjusted on the fly. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, and, and the action was just fucked. Like, it was super high because, like, they were playing, like, hard rock, and he wasn't, like, playing, you know, busy notes. So it was it was right. not built for, <laughs> for what uh we were doing what a nightmare um, man oh god yeah and um and i remember like i was planning to bring a backup bass i think for this gig but our manager's like we don't have enough room we can't do it like you just have to deal with it and you know now after that i'm just like nobody's gonna tell me i can't bring another fucking bass and i'm always gonna bring another bass because i'm never gonna go through this situation again yeah um you know and i haven't <laughs> you know and you know, I don't think I've even had an instance where I've had to switch out because something wasn't working. Um, maybe once since then, but uh, I always carry the backup anyway, even if somebody else needs it. It's like, I don't care. You need to use a base. Like I, I keep my action relatively low. So for some people that might not work, but it's an option. Yeah. But uh, I had an input yeah. jack fall in the guitar at one of our shows. That was not fun. One of our shows? Yeah. Remember I had like, to play the Strat the rest of the night? And um, oh yeah, there was like we're, a. Uh, I think we were at Southern Roots in McDonough, Georgia. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was. That was kind of stressful because I, not because I mean I love playing strats, but it's hard to go from like a twenty-four fret guitar to a twenty-one fret guitar, and it yeah, be especially... a total, <laughs> you know, translation of you know ease with ease, I guess. Yeah, I mean um, the necks are different, and and not even just the feel of the instruments, but like all single coils versus like right. all humbuckers, and I mean oh, all yeah. your tones are oh, yeah. So sure. so kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with being able to adapt to the song in certain circumstances. Uh, number five is mm -hmm. diversify your playlist. This one's yeah. pretty obvious, but just so that we can spend a second on it, do you have any new artists that you've added to your playlist recently that you're excited about? And it's okay if not. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, there is a, there are quite a few. Um, I've mentioned Butcher Brown before as being a big one more recently for me, um, so definitely really into them. Um, but there are a few others um, that... I, I can't honestly remember my name just because they're like only a few songs by them that I've really listened to. Sure. Um, but uh, if I were to go through my playlist, it, you know, it'd be a lot of, um, of artists that, that like I haven't typically listened to in the past. Um, I mean, what I see. would, what I would do like as far as, and kind of what I do, if we can't think of specific artists, it's fine, but you know, go into the discover feature on Spotify and just, 
go to town, like just play it. And you don't have to, you know, actively listen to it. You can wash dishes while you listen to it. But who knows where you're going to find inspiration in listening to different kinds of music? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think I, I know from for me and and for yourself, I think I don't want to speak for you, but I, we've talked about this before. Like, I yeah. think we've luckily both always been uh, pretty much into like everything. Right. Um, you know, there's like very few things that I'm, I'm not really into. Like there's not a lot of atonal music that I'm super about. Uh, not cause it's bad. It's just really not my thing. Um, there's some really cool examples of it that, that can be awesome, but you know, um, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm not listening to like all the latest like pop artists that are coming out all the time just cause there's so much to keep track of. And yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there's bad songs in every genre, but I would exactly. say at least try to expound on your genre intake. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, I think we can, let's go to number six, because this is going to be a little bit more interesting, I think, because we were just talking about diversifying your playlist for musical inspiration. But number six is make room for non-musical inspiration. Oh, totally. And this totally. Is, this we can kind of get a little bit more creative with, I think. Um, just because I think it's really important. I've, especially in this last, for, for some reason this last year, I've gotten really overwhelmed with um, just being constantly involved in everything music. Like, mm, you know, yeah. like... The reason why I have to have a specific car is for music. And the reason why I have to, you know, have all of these things is for music. And basically when I'm doing my taxes, all my mileage is usually for something related to music. Yeah. Uh, very uh, like maybe one mile to go to the grocery store or to the post office <laughs> and back. But like, it's really easy to get burnout. out. And I, this year has kind of been a wake up call for me. Um, more so like very recently, which we're at the really? end of the year, which is kind of crappy. But, you know, I've just kind of learned like I needed to prioritize other things because they're just as important for inspiration for not only songwriting, but just kind of being a healthy musician in general. Like um, what? What are some things for for you that um, give me non-musical inspiration? Yeah. Um. Or some things you want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, it can be honestly little things, just things that I haven't done in a really long time. Like uh, when the pandemic started and kind of until very recently, I got out of the habit of like exercising regularly mm. um, or, or just honestly just like going outside and like being in nature at all. Like I just yeah. didn't really do it unless it was like for a friend's birthday party and we were going kayaking or... You know, it was like a barbecue where you sat outside. Like I just, I never just like went outside and just was just still, I guess. Is the best yeah. Way. yeah. And yeah. like to me, that's been very like grounding lately. Um, and it's helped me with music stuff. Like for the first time in a long time, I actually look forward to sitting down and, you know, working on a project. Whereas before I was like, ah, this again. You know, or I would just put it off. I'm like, I can't do yeah. another day of just sitting and like editing like audio. Like, I just can't do it again. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's kind of what this point means to me. How about you? Um, I mean, pretty, pretty much the same thing, you know, like, like just making time for other things. And, and that's something we have mentioned before in, in other episodes, how important that is. And, um, I, I, you know, I think the reason we've learned that's so important is because you and I both, like many other fellow musicians, like aren't good at it <laughs> and yeah. are now kind of reaching this point where it's like, okay, maybe we need to start being better at it though. Um, because yeah, I mean, same thing, you know, like everything I do is music, like five, four to five days a week. I am, you know, helping manage a music school. And then the other two days of the week, I'm gigging or teaching or doing studio sessions or, you know, something. So like, uh, definitely, you know, f finding, finding other things that inspire you is so important. You know, we've both talked about cooking before and how much we enjoy that. Um, that's definitely still a big one for me. Like, uh, you know, I haven't had a lot of time to do it lately, but when I have gotten the chance, like pretty much everything has come out exactly the way I wanted it to, which is like a really good feeling because sometimes nice. you know, it, it does not go that way. Right. Um, and I've definitely had those moments over the past year, but, um, like lately, like I've made this really awesome pot roast the other day and it was super simple. Um, or not pot roast, sorry, stew, like a beef stew, um, in a crock pot because I knew like I didn't have time to like sit there and, and make a full meal. And it's just like, all right, let me just put this in the crock pot and let it do its, its own thing. And that was really awesome. Um, and, um, nature is definitely another one for me to like, I, I actually really like spending time in nature. I have also not been so great about it lately. Um, there was a moment where, uh, we were doing walks like every night around the neighborhood and I, I want to get back into that. Cause, um, not only, you know, is it good for, for health physically, but also mental health and just like being outside and, um, enjoying, you know, especially this time of year. I mean, this is the perfect time of year to oh, do yeah. that kind of stuff. This is my favorite time um, of year. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent fall is the best. Oh yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. And, and then I, you know, I find, I guess I, I find inspiration in, um, like other media that I enjoy. Like, um, I, I, I need to get back into reading more. I haven't honestly spent that much time reading over the past, honestly, a couple of years. Like, I mean, I've been reading like nonfiction, just like educational stuff, but nothing like I used to read fiction books a lot and like, uh, you know, fantasy or sci-fi stuff that, that I really enjoy, but it, I, I do watch, you know, shows or movies, um, that inspire me from a different perspective, um, kind of from the storytelling perspective and the, and the art. Um, I, I haven't done any like real, like visual art in a long time. Um, I used to draw a lot as a kid though, which was something that kind of, um, you know, inspired creativity. Uh, and I also used to write like short stories and, um, tried to like write a novel when I was still in like high school, I, I started like really writing something and it was actually <laughs> part of, awesome. I mean, like overall it was kind of good, but you know, I'm sure looking back, there's so much that wouldn't be good and that I'd need to change, but I used to really enjoy that. And I just haven't done that in a long time, but, um, but I would like to, to kind of get back into that, but I feel like maybe I need to read some more books again to like get that particular, um, Juices flowing. Yeah, you know, and juices. just because I feel like you know it needs to be authentic, and I feel like, um, just like we were saying about music, like 
you know, as a musician, you need to be listening to music a lot. And um, I feel like if you're never listening to music, it's like the, and then you're like trying to write music. It's kind of the same thing as like, if you never read a book, but then you try to write a book, like, you know, it's, it's not going to translate as well because I feel like perspective is really important to, um, to get those ideas across. Um, so anyway, you know, uh, inspiration can be found, I think anywhere. And it's just kind of up to the, the individual to decide what it is that inspires them. But, um, yeah, you know, like you said, I I think just make time for it. Yeah, exactly. Make time for it. And, And it's hard to do like, Lately, I've had zero time for anything. Right. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, in the next month or so that I'll chill out a little bit once I'm more used to the new job and, and other stuff. But um, yeah, but it is super important because you will burn out. Like I, I've definitely felt that kind of feeling coming on before and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I need to do something about this. Same. Um, um, so yeah. Uh, so point seven, I think we're actually really good at, well, at least me and you. I don't know about everybody mm-hmm. else, but- Um, communicate openly obviously Mm. we have a podcast so we communicate a lot but also just with like each other and like just with your fellow musicians in general like yeah um if you're feeling a certain way communicate that uh if you hate an idea communicate that because it's going to come out eventually and it's best to just get it out now if you think that you're 16 and you think you're as good as Joe Bonamassa, communicate that and then be open <laughs> to the criticism that you're not. <laughs> but uh, Well, it's, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I was, I was going to ask you earlier and then I was like, I'll just wait. Um, but when he asked you that mm-hmm. and then you gave him your feedback, did you offer like a suggestion on like what to do to kind of work on it? No, I didn't. So maybe that would be a thing that that next time if you ever find yourself in that position... You could be like, you know, I don't think you're there yet, but here's some things you can do to to improve that. Yeah. No, I definitely have a lot I need to work on in the communication thing. I think, honestly, I was kind of a little irritated that I didn't get to try out the amp. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I get it. Like, I I totally get why in that situation. No, kid, (laughs) you're not. You're not good. But, you know. I'm sure you weren't that mean about it. (laughs) No, I really wasn't. I'm I'm not that mean of a person. But yeah, I mean, just being able to express how you feel. And we've talked about that in past episodes. But, you know, um, it's going to come out eventually. And it's best for building relationships, which a huge part of the music industry is building relationships that you communicate. Mm. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything you want to add to that before we get to this last point? Um. Yeah. Um, I think actually I actually have two things I want to hit. Yeah. So, um, with the communication thing, um, I, I know for me personally, like it's, it's still very much something I'm working on. Like I, I have not always been the best communicator, especially when it comes to like how I feel about something. Like if I'm upset about something, um, sometimes I have a really hard time like getting that out. And I think part of it is because I have this like internal dialogue of like, is it even worth it to bring this up? Or am I just like crazy? And like my perspective is skewed and I'm full of myself and I need to be more open-minded and like, um, you know, or I need to be more empathetic or understanding. And that holds me back from like saying how I'm feeling. Cause I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. Um, and I also don't want to be like misunderstood. 
And right. so sometimes it's easier for me just not to say anything. Um, and I know that's not good, but it's, it is something I, I try to be aware of. Um, and with this new position that I have, um, I think it is going to, it is helping me already kind of get a little bit better about that. Like even just with, with digital communication, like emails and texts, like I'm, I get so many emails every day and most of them I don't have to worry about answering, but like I still need to keep track of every single one of them because it could be something important. For sure. Um, yeah. And even with email filters set up to like kind of weed some of that stuff out, like it's, it's hard, it's easy to miss something still. So like, um, and then, you know, now because I have to be a little more like in, in charge and present for like teachers and whatnot, I, I have to be a lot more communicative, uh, about what the expectations are. And then also like be a good listener, understand where they're coming from and making sure that we're on the same page and that we're, we're shooting for the same goal. Right. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll learn to be a little bit better about that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I do also think, you know, I am good about communication in certain areas. Um, and, you know, I know what I want for certain sounds or, you know, I, I know maybe what I want for a song. And I feel like overall, I'm pretty good about communicating those ideas without being, um, like insensitive and, uh, by offering, you know, while also offering like constructive um, criticism and, and things like that. Like, I feel like I've, and, and that's just because I think teaching has taught right. me to do that, you know, because you don't want to crush a, a, a young kid's heart, but at the same time, like they have to know, you know, hey, this isn't working. It doesn't sound good or like, you know, um, so on and so forth. Here's what you can do to do better. Like, you know, that, that, that kind of thing is definitely, um, I've gotten better at, but so anyway, that's the thing I want to touch on communication. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on before we move on to the last topic is actually back to the diversify your listening. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it was kind of a quick one. We, we, we went past that one relatively quickly cause we'd already covered a lot of things with that. Right. But, um, but I just want to say like, I think it's, it's important to diversify your, your listening because, um, it will open you to new ideas, you know, like even rhythmically, like if you, if you don't listen to like Latin music, um, like Latin jazz or just like even Latin hip hop or something like, man, you're missing out on like half of the coolest, like rhythmic concepts to ever exist in music. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of like pop songs and rock songs that kind of take those ideas and you can hear it through them. But I think it's also really important to kind of go back to the roots sometimes and really like understand where um where somebody is is where an idea sorry originates from and why it is that way and um you know if that's something that's available to you right. um, but i think that that's a really important reason to diversify your listening and also you know whether you want to be a session musician or an engineer or just uh, you know um even like a a, a music um I forget what the word is, uh, not music manager, um, music. It's like the people that pick like songs for um, like the playlist at like Kroger, <laughs> you know, or something. There's oh, a like name a, for that. Like procurement, like music. Yeah, procurement. Uh, there's something. It's another word I'm thinking of, but but basically, yeah, like uh, a curator. Is that curator? Yeah, that, there. That's a bit. Yeah, I like that. So, um, you know, if you're doing that for movies or something, like the more wide ranging your taste of music is like the more options you're going to have to, um, to offer, 
you know, to the the director or the producer or whoever. Right. Um, and uh, it also will make you a better teacher if you want to go that route, because you'll just obviously have more inf information about music around the world and from different cultures and backgrounds. And, um, you know, I think that stuff is always really important because, you know, music is so subjective and, um, you know, even a separation by a couple hundred miles can, can result in very different music. I mean, just look at the styles that we get all across the United States, you know, I mean, right. now it's obviously a little bit more like intermingled with the internet, but if you look back, you know, maybe 50 years ago and that there was like a distinct difference between like Southern Southeastern, like rock and roll, and then like West coast rock and roll and Southwest rock and roll and Northeast rock and roll, like even just within right. the umbrella of rock, you know? Um, so yeah, there's a lot to be said for for being diverse and open and and truly, you know, I think the bands that have lasted the longest um through through history um and artists and, and whatnot tend to be the artists that that can um adapt to those different styles and who clearly have many different influences. Um Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that cuz no, uh, we didn't great. spend a lot of time on it, so. Right. Well, Dustin, why don't you say our last and final point here, because you say it every single week. Oh, right, right. Okay. I was like, I don't have the list in front of me, but yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, so yeah, the last and most important one is to have fun, to enjoy yourself, enjoy the process um, of being a musician, of learning to become a musician, um, of just all aspects that come with, with this line of work or, or hobby or whatever it is for you. Um, you know, even as, as just a consumer, I think it's really important to, to actually have fun. And, and what I, I guess from that perspective, from the consumer perspective, it, uh, I kind of mean like, you know, don't be ashamed of what you like. Right. Um, don't hide your musical inspiration or your musical interests from friends just because they don't like, you know, hip hop doesn't mean that you can't. Right. You know? For sure. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so just in general, because like, the, you know, from, from the professional perspective, from the other side of it, there's a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of disappointment, as we say in the title of our podcast that, um, occurs in this career, you know, and in life. And, um, and I think it's really, really important that you try to, keep as much of the fun and the lightheartedness as you can, because otherwise you can find yourself in a very dark place. Yeah, for um, sure. You can find yourself burning out or resenting. Um, and, you know, that just sucks for everybody <laughs> involved. So, um, yeah, but the overarching theme there is is to have fun, for sure. Um, what mean, about you, Melody? What do you think of? I mean, yeah. I mean, you want to be professional, but at the end of the day, um, if you can be kind of the light at the end of the tunnel in, in certain situations, you know, if everybody's doom and gloom all the time, uh, it's eventually going to burn itself out. So, you know, you want to be kind of an uplifting person if you can, which I'm self-admittedly usually not. Well, it depends, but, um, <laughs> you know, well, it's important maybe to surround yourself with those kinds of people too, right. because when you're down, they can pick you up and vice versa. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, it may be situational, like even if maybe leave it at the door, you know, like 
be the light because uh, we recently worked with a sound man and I do not remember his name, but I got to the gig and he was on the phone with someone and he was saying like, this is the worst, shittiest day I've ever had, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as he walked up to me, because I had just unloaded my equipment, he was like, hello, like, how are you? My name's blah, blah, blah. Like, can't wait to get started today. And like, it was so nice to work with someone that wasn't in a shit mood. You know what I mean? Wow. So yeah. If yeah. you can uh, be that person, it's huge. What gig was that? It was Smith's. It was the guy uh, from Sixth Man, but I don't remember his name. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just to protect his identity, we'll you right. know, keep it, keep yeah, it under wraps. But but when yeah, I got, no, when I, I got there, I heard him on the phone saying like how terrible his day had been, but he was such a nice guy the whole time. He really was. Like, he yeah, did, and he, he did a great job, too. Yeah, he left it at the door, and that just made it better for everybody. And like now, yeah. anytime I think about playing there or anywhere else, you know, I've thought like, man, I would love to have someone like him every time. And that's a big deal because, yeah. I mean, reputation's a big thing in the industry. For, For sure. sure, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's everything in, right. in so many ways. And um, that's cool. I, I, I didn't know that that happened, but that's that's cool to hear because, like, you know, the entire time, that entire day, like, was very pleasant professional experience with yeah. him. And, and he even took some hard criticism at the end for some super drunk people and was just, like, laughing oh, it off. Oh, right. He's yeah. like, ha, 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 it's fine. People always criticize me or, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But wow, it yeah. just made it fun. You know, he just seemed to just have a good time, even though he kind of was all of these to me. He adapted. He, yep. you know, it was it was a great experience. So now I yeah, want to hire him again. Marks. I know for so, sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's hard, you know, especially the last one. Like when again, when you're having a bad day, like it can be really hard to. um, Put on a face. And, 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 you know, I, I don't think either of us would recommend that you completely hide your feelings, um, and try to fake it. At least I know I wouldn't because like you still have to be yourself and you have to be authentic and, and you can't like crush those things down because, you know, they will, as you said earlier, come out later. Um, but you can look at uh, each new portion of the day, each new moment kind of as like a new opportunity to reset. And it's hard to do. Like, I'm not saying I, I nail this every time by any means, but, um, you know, if you had a bad lesson one day, like the next one, you know, the, 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 the next student in line for the day, like refresh, reset and treat them the same way you would every other student that walks through that door. Right. Um, you know, if, if you, had a issue with, you know, your spouse or your best friend earlier in the day and now you have rehearsal, like, you know, don't take it out on the bandmates. Let that rehearsal be a reset. Right. Um, for sure. And it's, it's, yeah, it is hard to do. Like it is really, really hard to do, especially, you know, like I, I, one thing that, that I'd have, but like whenever I get to gigs, especially if I've had to drive through like horrible shit traffic and you know like i hate that shit oh yeah you're all you, um you've shown up to many a gig in a terrible mood but you shut yeah, it off yeah. pretty quick <laughs> i chill out pretty quick yeah, yeah yeah i mean like and and i try like hopefully I, i've never been like rude to you or to no, like the engineer or dylan so. you know i've just been maybe more like cut off like a little bit just like to myself yeah because i'm just like trying to process it <laughs> and then like, deal with it a little bit yeah yeah um you know, but, but no, definitely, it's become, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say it's become a running joke. 
Because if like if yeah. you text and say like, oh my gosh, I'm 30 minutes behind because of traffic, I'm like, all right, guys, how pissed is Dustin gonna be when he gets here? <laughs> and usually, I'm always super accurately right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> And, and a lot of it isn't just like the slow traffic. It's when people do dumb shit. That's what really gets right. me. When people risk their, you know, other people's lives and safety because they're not In paying hurry, attention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that shit is what really actually pisses me off. But um, I try to do my best to reset when I'm in those new environments. And, you know, it's easier to kind of like hold on and, and like still be a little like, um, I guess, like spicy uh, mm-hmm. with people that you know. You know, like if I was meeting somebody like the the engineer or somebody, I think I would be maybe a little bit different with them because like, oh, we haven't met before. Like he doesn't know me. He doesn't know that. Hey, like normally I'm a pretty chill dude. I'm just having like a moment right now. But, you know, anyway, the goal should always be to to try to to have fun again, you know, and just keep keep yourself uh, motivated. And, you know, I'm not we're not um, recommending like toxic positivity. You know, because there is a thing, and and I, I think you have to be careful with that. But, um, you know, treat every moment as a new thing. I guess back to the original point there. So, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun. Don't do too much, and it's gonna happen.